Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here with Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And we are so glad you are here joining us. Uh, we've got a nice warm drink. It's still wintertime outside. And let's tell some stories. What do you say, Linz? I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> we really kind of wanted to do something a little bit different for just the wintry season. There's a lot of winter tales out there. And I think that they're really fun. I know it's not technically winter for everyone. It's just here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and that it's not cold out there for everybody, but in Utah, it is freezing and it is snowy. And we kind of just wanted the comfort of making a hot drink and getting cozy in blankets and just kind of telling tales of the season. <laughs> I think it's funny. You, when, when you grow up in a place where there is snow, that just becomes just part of your entire reality for half the year. It's horrible. <laughs> I hate the snow so much. It has its redeeming qualities. I do love waking up during the wintertime and just seeing like this pristine white out there and the sparkle. I like the silence that yeah. comes over everything when it's snowing outside. You can Def- go out. Like it dampens the sound. Yeah, you can actually just only hear the things around you and it feels really magical. Actually, one of my favorite things is nighttime when it's super snowy out. Oh, yeah, because the snow bounces so again. Yeah, and the snow bounces so much light. It can be a really dark night. It kind of still feels like warm and glowy a little bit. Yeah, it has this beautiful rosy glow in the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's so winter to me. You know, it so speaks to all of my wonderful memories of wintertime, you know. So I really enjoyed that. But like I said, I know it's not necessarily cold out there for everybody. It's not winter for everybody. (laughs) But it is for us, and we just kind of wanted to, you know, just, get into that vibe, that spirit. And, and just share it with the world a little bit. Uh, yes. If you don't have snow, you can have some of ours. Please take it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it around the end of December, and I'll be happy, and then you can have it. Sometimes we end up with snow in, like, June, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, that has happened. Um, it's a weird place. Almost always while I'm on a camping trip. Yeah, yeah Definitely. <laughs> Great. And we know that most holidays, no matter what you celebrate, whether you do celebrate something the end end of the year, um, they they kind of share these similar enjoyable aspects, kind of like getting together with family and friends, staying warm, uh, eating and drinking delicious things this is a great time of year for that. And just finding the things that we like about each other. Finding exactly, yeah. the things we have in common. <laughs> and and telling stories, you know. Um, it could be something that's penned by an author. Like maybe you read A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens every year. Or maybe mm-hmm. you recite Twas the Night Before Christmas. Or you read religious stories or whatever. It could be that or it could be even just the same tale that your drunk uncle tells every Christmas time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it could be anything, but but tales are kind of an essential part to this this holiday season, really. Um, oh, they yeah, they really are. It's something that while well, you've got a nice roaring fire and a nice hot drink in your hand, well, you've got to talk about something. And usually that's when good stories come about. Yeah, and you're around and you're with family and and <laughs> it really tends to be a thing that happens when you're around family. At least it does for me. 
Yeah. So I'm sure you too, Logan, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so it's kind of what we're going to be doing for the next couple of episodes. We wanted to do a couple episodes of wintry tales and sip on some yummy drinks and keep warm. And we just kind of hope that you enjoy them. And in light of that, our first cocktail is a nice warm one. What is it called, Logan? Oh, oh, this one. Oh, what, what, what's the name of it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> did you forget? It's I forgot. Fine. It's called Coco Bui. Coco Bui. Coco Bui. That's what it is. <laughs> and I, I know it because I like to yell it. Oh, I, I, I knew it had a buoy on the end of it. I'm, I'm a it's fine. I told you Choco a while no. ago. Yeah, it's Coco Bui. It's basically Choco Bui. Coco Bui. Oh, we can yes. rename it Choco Bui if you Oh, want. no, but Co- Coco Bui is such a good name. Coco Bui. Yeah, it's one that you have to really just celebrate. Hey, Coco Bui. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so the reason that it's called Coco Bui is because it's made with drambuie. Yeah, which and that's oh, is one that's, of Logan's favorites. I'll admit it's a it's a real favorite of mine, especially around this time of year. It's it's kind of a Christmas drink shared around around our household and uh it's one that we we drink it cold, but it warms our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except for right now we're not drinking it cold because no. it is added with milk and hot cocoa mix. And cinnamon and salt. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put the exact recipe on our show notes, and I'll stick it around on our social media. I usually come up with some little graphic that has the recipe on it for you. So check <laughs> us out there if you want that recipe. But it's super easy to make. You stick everything in a, a saucepan and warm it up and drink it, basically. Dump a bunch of marshmallows on the top, and it's just delicious. And it's the kind of drink that... When you start to enjoy the first one, go ahead and just start making the second one because <laughs> you're going to want it. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jerambui is kind of potent. And like we talked about last week, hot drinks kind of get to you yeah. a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Actually, it's probably a good thing because then you know how drunk you are pretty fast. You know, a lot of other drinks take a minute to hit you. Yeah, you don't have to <laughs> don't have to light the fuse and wait for it and wait for the cannon to go off. You're just kind of... Just, it's just, just there. there right away yeah <laughs> you're warm and you're like the warmth of alcohol too you know yeah it's great so um in case you don't know what trambouille is because uh, i i don't know that a ton of people even know much about i trambouille. was surprised it, it's like a household drink uh you know among the adults in my family but uh <laughs> but, like nobody else knows what it is i only yeah. know what it is because because of you <laughs> <laughs> So basically, it's a Scotch whiskey liqueur, and mm-hmm. it's it's infused with heather honey, herbs, and spices. Yeah, and it, it it is sweet. You can really taste the honey in there, and boy, it is it's a real winner of a drink on its own, or or mixed with a with a nice little bit of you know hot cocoa or whatever taste. you want. Yeah, or really whatever you want, but you do get a fun name like Coco Bui out of it. Coco Bui. <laughs> Oh my god, we're having way too much fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well. Well, good. Yeah, that that's a great cocktail and a really good one to to share uh, share some stories over. Yeah, I like it. And in light of that, let's start our first story. What All right. Sound that good? sounds good to me. So our first story is called "The Snow Maiden," and it is from Russia. It's by Edith M. S. Hodgetts, and it's from 1891. So here we go. Many years ago, in a distant Russian village, there lived a peasant by name Akam. 
with his wife, Masha. They lived in a small wooden hut where they spent their days in love and harmony, but children had they none. This was a very sore point with both of them. They used to sit by the window or at the door of their little hut looking at their neighbor's children playing about and wish that they had some of their own. But finding that it was no use wishing, they had at last become sad in their old age. One cold winter's day, when the snow lay thick about the uneven country roads, and the little village boys were running about throwing snowballs to keep themselves warm and making snowmen and women, old Occam and Masha sat by their window looking at them in silence. Suddenly, Occam looked up at his wife and said, laughing, Masha, what do you say about coming out into the road and making ourselves a little snowman or woman, like the little boys yonder? Masha laughed too. It seemed to be such a queer thing to do at this time in their life. Yes, if you like, she replied. Let us go. It may cheer us up a bit. But I don't see why we should make a snowman or snowwoman. Let us make a child out of snow, as Providence does not seem to wish us to have a real one. I do believe that you are getting quite clever in your old age, Masha. Come along, then, and let us set to work. Off went the old couple, laughing at themselves all the while, and sure enough, they commenced about making a snow child. They made the legs, the arms, hands, feet, and a snowball for the head. What in the name of wonder are you up to? exclaimed a passerby, stopping suddenly in front of the two old people. A snow child, laughed Masha, as she began to explain everything to the stranger. May the saints help you, he said he, as he went on his way. When they had got the arms, legs, hands, feet, and head fixed up together, Occam began making the nose, two holes for the eyes, and was just drawing a small line for the mouth, when suddenly, much to his surprise, he felt warm breath come out of it. He took his hand away quickly, and looking upon the two holes he made for the eyes, beheld two real beautiful blue eyes. The lips became full and rosy, and as for the nose... It was the dearest little nose ever seen. Good heavens, what does this mean? Is this the temptation of the evil one? cried Occam, crossing himself several times, while the snow child threw her arms around his neck and kissed him as though she were alive. Oh, Occam, Occam, cried Masha, trembling with joy. Providence has at last taken pity on us and sent us a child to cheer us in our old age. She was about to throw her arms about the snow child and embrace it, when, to the astonishment of both the old man and the woman, the snow fell off, and left in Masha's arms was a beautiful little girl. "'Oh, my little snowmaiden, my little darling!' cried the happy Masha, as she led the lovely child into their hut. Meanwhile, Occam could not get over his wonder. He rubbed his head and felt sorely puzzled. He did not know whether he was asleep or awake, but felt almost sure that something had gone wrong with him somewhere. But— returned to the snow maiden, as Masha was pleased to call her. She grew very rapidly, not only daily, but hourly, into a tall, beautiful, and graceful girl. The peasants were delighted with her. Occam had come to the conclusion that it was all right. Their hut was now always in constant mirth. The village girls and boys were frequent visitors to it. They played, read, and sang with the snow maiden, who understood it all thoroughly, and did her best to amuse all around her. She talked, laughed, and was altogether so cheerful and good-natured that everybody loved her dearly, and tried to please her in every possible way. At the same time, a better and more obedient daughter never was, and she had the most lovely white skin, just like snow. Her eyes were like forget-me-nots. 
Her lips and cheeks were like roses. In fact, she was the very picture of health and beauty, with her lovely golden hair hanging down her back. She looked just like a girl of seventeen, though she was only a few days old. Akam, said Masha one day to her husband, how good Providence has been to us, how Snow Maiden has brightened us in these few days, and how wicked we were to grumble as we did. Yes, Masha, returned Akam, we ought to thank Providence for all he has done for us, and thank him that we have mirth instead of gloom in our little home. Winter passed, the heavens rejoiced, and the spring sun came out and the swallows began to fly about, and the grass and trees became green once more. The lovely Russian peasant girls gathered themselves together and met their young cavaliers under the trees in the forest, where they danced and sang their pretty Russian songs. But the snow maiden was dull. "'What is the matter with you, my darling?' asked Masha. "'Are you ill? You are always so bright and cheerful as a rule, and now you are so dull at once. Has any bad man thrown a spell over you?' "'No, mother mine. Nothing is the matter with me, darling.' The snow maiden replied, but still she continued to be dull, and by degrees she lost her beautiful color, and began to droop sadly, greatly to the alarm of those around her. The last snow had now vanished, the gardens began to bloom, the rivers and lakes rippled, the birds sang merrily, in fact all the wide world seemed happy. Yet our little snow maiden drooped and looked sad. She sat with her hands folded in the coolest part of the hut. She loved the long winter. It was her best friend. But this horrid heat she hated. She was glad when it rained a little. There was no broiling sun then. She did not mind the winter sun, but the summer sun was her enemy. And quite natural, too, poor thing. For she was born in the winter, in the snow. At last the great summer feast arrived. The village youths and maidens came to the snow maiden and asked her to join them in a romp through the woods, and begged Masha to let her come with them. At first Masha refused, but the girls begged so hard that at last, on thinking it over, she consented, for she thought it might cheer snow maiden up. But, said she, take care of her, for she is the apple of my eye, and if anything happens to her, I don't know what I shall do. "'All right, all right, we shall take care of her. "'She is just as dear to us,' cried the young people, "'as they took Snow Maiden and ran off with her into the forest, "'where the girls wove themselves wreaths, "'and while the young men gathered sticks, "'which they piled up high, and at sunset they set fire to them. "'And then they arranged themselves all in one row after another, "'boys and girls, and prepared to jump over the burning heap. "'Our Snow Maiden was last in the row.' Mind, said the girls to her, don't stay behind, but jump after us. One, two, three, and away they went, jumping over the flames in great delight. Suddenly, they heard a piercing scream, and on looking around, discovered that Snow Maiden was missing. Ah, cried they, laughing, she is up to one of her old tricks again, and has likely gone off and hidden herself somewhere. Come, let us go and search for her. They all ran off in pairs in different directions, but no one could find their missing companion. Their happy, fresh young faces soon turned very grave, and their joy gave place to sorrow and alarm. They met at last in a road outside the forest, and began asking each other what they had best do. "'Perhaps she has run home,' said one. This seemed a happy thought, so they ran to the hut, but no snow maiden was there. 
They looked for her all through the next day and night, and on the third and fourth. They sought her in the village, hut after hut, and in the forest, tree after tree, bush after bush, but all in vain. Nowhere could they find her. As for poor Akam and Masha, it is needless to say that their grief was too great for words. No one could comfort them. Day after day, night after night, did poor Masha wander into the forest, calling like the cuckoo. Oh, my darling snow maiden! Oh, my little darling! But there was no one to answer her call. Not one word from that sweet voice did Masha get in reply. Snow maiden was not to be found, that was certain. But how had she vanished, and whither had she gone? Had the wild beasts of the forest eaten her up, or had the robber bird carried her off to the blue sea? No, it was not the wild beasts, nor was it the robber bird. But as our little friend was jumping over the flames after her companions, she evaporated into a thin cloud and flew to the heights of the heavens. All right, that was such a good story. What do you think about that, Logan? That one was a fun one. Uh, it, it, is, it is a little bit short, uh, but I really love the amount of detail that was in there. It, it really painted a really lovely wintertime picture. A little sad with the couple that couldn't have a, a daughter of their own. Yeah. But they, they got a little bit, a little bit of happiness with the, with the new season. That is something that I really like about Russian fairy tales. They are very evocative of whatever scene they're in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the rolling countryside, the wintry landscape. They're very good at describing things. And they they get you into the feel of the tale very easily, I think. Yeah. And, and that, one like really that. Had, that one really had some great descriptions in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, unf- unfortunately, it didn't have a whole lot of action to it. It Not was really a... Much. A short-lived uh, little story. Uh, Short, short-lived <laughs> little girl. Yeah, a little girl, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was alive for like, what, six months? Yeah, about Tops? that. Uh, but she grew up in Fast Forward because children are boring story material, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, an attractive 17-year-old girl, I guess, is much better story fodder. Yep, we'll just recast it right here. <laughs> Bam, it's done. Okay. And but, man, uh, those growing pains. Oh, that that was seventeen years really and three rough. days. Yeah, but uh, I mean, God you know, damn. Take, take the fourth day off and then go running in the woods. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that <laughs> didn't work out so well. <laughs> kind of strange, um, but I I do like the magical element of it. It's very um, frosty, the snowman. To kind of quote something that at least we're familiar with here. I don't know how familiar the rest of the world is with it, but. Basically, it's the same idea. It's a snowman that someone, some kids create, and they, I think they stick a hat on its head, and he yes. comes to life, right? I actually played like Professor singing Hink- a song in my head. <laughs> yes, I, I played Professor Hinkle, the the villain ah, in, that, in that particular of tale. You did. Once upon a time, <laughs> uh, I love that. I had some wonderful stripy pants and a very twirly mustache. So basically, you yourself every day. Yes, exactly. Got it. <laughs> but yeah, it's this idea of you can create life from the magic of the season. And that's kind of what this story feels like it does, too. Mm-hmm. It, it is a shame that it's so so short, though. It, it, I, I feel like it's a great origin for a character. I want to see the Snow Maiden do more. Yeah, I mean, she was born and then she died. Yeah. That's uh, basically the, all we got from her. This is this leaves the door wide open for a sequel. Why did that opportunity not get picked up? I don't know. Maybe there's something out there. I know I know that there's a lot of tales that are very similar to this all mm-hmm. around the world. Um 
I think there's multiple incarnations of specifically just this tale told yeah. in many different ways. Uh, so I'm, I know that there are. I went through a whole bunch. <laughs> I just picked one that had at least more meat to it. Yeah. Um, well, so. and and as we've often seen with these fairy tales, usually the ones with a lot of Christian elements, the the praise providence and and all that, or is it a sign of temptation from the evil one? Uh, when it has little little ornaments like that in there, often it's not the original story. Yeah, uh, definitely. Y- usually it's something that has been taken and adapted or translated with a couple of things added in. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are several other versions of this story or even longer For versions sure. For out sure. there. I mean, like, like we talked about in our Dumbovoy episode, that happened a lot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Christianity kind of crept into the country and folktales mashed up with Christianity and became probably what this end product is right yeah you know but um i think that an element that i i really like about it is that it has this magic of life being created but in the winter time yeah in a time when nothing Nothing new is growing nothing is fresh or anything uh but well from nothing comes something, that, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's magic that you can find in, like, the deadest of times. And even for this couple, a time in their life where they never thought that they were going to have a child, right? Yeah, yeah, this is really a story of, of hope and and the, the light of their life, even though it was such a short time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. Yeah. It was a really, really cool. in the end, it was a very nice story. I liked that it yeah, had a, a, a very warm parts. feeling despite being from a cold part of the world. And ending with someone dying, you know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that like happens, all the best stories do. <laughs> An interesting fact that kind of, that it kind of reminded me of was, I guess it's not really a fact, but things that happened. Um, living as a peasant in Russia would be an extremely hard life, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm sure that that couples had many, many children, and many of those kids didn't survive, right? Yeah. And while it's super tragic, it, w- it was kind of just how life was then, you know? That's yeah, not why everyone people lived had to so be many. an adult. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and birth control wasn't super a thing yet, so that's part of it. But... I think that it has that little that little bit of a tragic element to it in the idea of a kid can suddenly unexpectedly leave your life and it it's awful but you know you have to focus on the joy that you had while they were around you know yeah. a way to get through it and I know I just took that to a really sad place and I apologize well you know it <laughs> I blame the story for taking it to How a sad dare place. It? Yeah, <laughs> let's rewrite it. They got, it got way too real there for a second. It's been around for over a hundred years. <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> we'll make a new one that's happier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's magic, and there's magic in children in winter time because they're inside and they have their imaginations running wild. Yeah, and for me at least, when I was a kid, I remember very specifically the feeling of. The real world gets this cover over it, and it can be remade into anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, trees become mountains, and houses become castles, and it's this really special time of year 
for someone who may not see exactly the way things are. It is. I, I still feel magical sometimes when I walk out and it's this beautiful snowy landscape. You know, um, when I was growing up, I really wanted to be a writer. And I every time I walked out after or during a snowstorm, I was like, my brain would immediately go to, okay, so I'm walking across the Arctic tundra and I have to survive. And, you know, the story just starts building in my brain of this crazy adventure that I would go on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel elements of that whenever I see that, you know, I, my, it evokes that memory in me. I, and I love that. Uh, same thing with, with like thunderstorms. Those are always a super oh. magical time for me. And I love them so much. Um, I just feel that the air is so charged with this magical, it could be, anything could be, right? Yeah. And I love well, that. Yeah, you can feel the electricity just being conducted through the air and, and water around you. Again, the same muffling effect creates this idea that only what's immediately around you becomes the most important stuff. Uh, that's Definitely. always what I liked when I in the theater, when it would rain outside... I always loved that the audience was suddenly so much more involved with the show. Oh, that's interesting. Because, well, they know that outside sucks. <laughs> We're going to be in this world for a little bit. Yeah. And if it's if you can hear it raining outside, all you know is it's just noise out there. Don't worry about it. What's in here is what's going on. Well, and, and you want to be inside, right? Yeah. So it it kind of takes away the the need to be somewhere else. Um, I I love just sitting back and watching the rain. Oh my God. I know we're, we're tangenting here, but it's like one of my favorite things. I well, you know, in, in some it. parts of the world, uh, in the wintertime, they don't get snow, but they do get rain. So we're going to have that, uh, have this Perfect. little, so, so, it's little party on that side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. Stretching there, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do here on Folklore on the Rocks. We tangent and then pretend that it had something to do with it. There we go. And landed it. Well, I give the dismount a four. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got here somehow, right? Yeah. It sort of works. I don't know. Anyway, um, so let's quickly take a break and play a promo for you. Yeah. So this one is for a podcast called So It Is Told. Ooh, and that sounds cool. It is really cool. It's, it's a hilarious show where the host, Jacob, is joined by guests and they discuss folklore and fairy tales. So it's a fun conversation about stuff that we know that you guys like. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to us. They kind of cover tales and creatures from all around the world, just like we do. So if you are wishing that you had more episodes like ours, uh, (laughs) because we're fairly young for a podcast, uh, you should go check this show out. They've been going for like almost two years, so you're going to have plenty to listen to. So, yeah. Let's play it for you right now. What it is, everyone. I'm Jacob Meza, the host of the podcast So It Is Told. Each week I read a new folk tale or fairy tale with a local comedian and or world traveler. Like your drunk grandma reading a bedtime story, their suspense. Oh my god, they are cannibals! Magic. <laughs> In all around madness. They're birthing hips! <laughs> Available on any mainstream podcast directory. Fresh. <laughs> all right, we are back. Um, oh, they do sound cool. Yeah, I think that you guys should definitely check them out for sure. 
Yeah, if you're listening to us, you'll like them. For just sure. trust us on this one. Yeah, just, just do it. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to move into our second story of the evening or yeah. day or whatever you're listening to this <laughs> now. Uh, this story is called The Long Winter, and it's from a section of the Journal of American Folklore. I'm sure that that's probably in serialized form. I'm not sure. So it's from Robert Bell, who I am assuming is an anthropologist of some sort who wrote this down. Um, And it's from Canada, and it's from 1901. Can I just say thank you for writing it down? I love that stuff like this gets recorded and it, it gets carried on. Anthropologist for the win. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Before the present state of the world was established, and when there was yet no men, a very long winter set in. The sun was never seen, the air was dark, and the thick clouds always covered the sky and hung low down. It snowed continually. After this had lasted three years, all the animals were suffering very much from want of food, and still more from want of heat. They became greatly alarmed. A grand council was held, which beasts, birds, and fishes attended. It was noticed that no bears had been seen for three years, and that they were the only creatures which did not go to the council. The meeting decided that the great thing was to become what had become of the heat, whose long absence was the cause of all of their sufferings, and if possible, to bring it back again. In order to do this, they resolved that as many of them as possible, representing all classes, should go on a search expedition to the upper world where they thought the heat was detained. When the council broke up, they all set out, and after much traveling far and wide through the air, some of them were fortunate enough to find the door or opening to the upper regions, and they went in. Among those that were fortunate enough to get in were the lynx, the fox, the wolf, the cockajou, the mouse, the pike, and the mari which is a dogfish or freshwater ling. After exploring for some time, they saw a lake, and beside it, a camp, with a fire burning. On going to the camp, they found two young bears living there. They asked the cubs where their mother was, and were told she was off hunting. In a teepee, a number of full, round bags were hanging up. The visitors pointed to the first one, and asked the young bears, What is in this bag? That, said they, is where our mother keeps the rain. And what is in this one? Pointing to the second bag. That, they answered, is the wind. And this one? Why, that is where mother keeps the fog. And what may be in this next one? Oh, we cannot tell you that, said the cubs, for our mother told us it was a great secret, and if we tell, she will be very angry with us and cut off our heads when she returns. Oh, don't be afraid, said the fox. She will never know that you told us. Then the cubs answered, That is the bag where she keeps the heat. The visitors had ascertained what they wanted, and they all went out of the teepee to hold a consultation. It was decided to retire to a distance, as the old bear might return at any time. But first they advised the young bears to keep a lookout for any deer which may come to the opposite shore of the lake. It was resolved that the lynx should go round to the other side of the lake, turn into a deer, and show himself so as to attract the attention of the young bears. Meantime, the mouse was to go into the bear's canoe and gnaw a deep cut in the handle of her paddle close to the blade. The others were all to conceal themselves near the bear's teepee. 
The scheme proved successful. When one of the little bears saw the supposed buck across the lake, he cried out, Mother! Mother! Look at that deer on the opposite shore! The old bear immediately jumped to her canoe and paddled towards it. The deer walked leisurely along the beach, pretending not to see the canoe, so as to tempt the bear to paddle up close to him. Then, all at once, he doubled about and ran the opposite way. The bear hastened to turn her canoe by a few powerful strokes, throwing her whole weight on the paddle, which broke suddenly where the mouse had nodded. And the bear, falling at the same time on the side of the canoe, upset herself into the water. The other animals were watching the hunt from the opposite side, and soon as they saw the bear floundering in the water, they ran into the teepee, pulled down the bag containing the heat, and tugged it, one at a time, through the air toward the opening to the lower world from which they had come. They hastened along as fast as they could, but the bag was very large, and none of them were able to keep up the pace very long. But whenever one became tired out, another would take the bag. So they all hurried along at a rapid rate, for they knew that the bear would soon get ashore and return to her teepee, and that when she discovered her loss, she would make haste to follow them. Sure enough, she was soon in hot pursuit, and had almost overtaken them before they reached the opening to the underworld. By this time, the stronger animals were all exhausted, and now the Mari took up the bag and pulled it along a good way, and finally the pike caught it up and managed to get it through the hole just as the bear was upon the party. But every one of them passed safely through the world at the same time, and the moment the bag was within the underworld, all the animals seized upon it and tore it open. The heat rushed out and spread at once to all parts of the world and quickly thawed the vast accumulation of ice and snow. Its rapid melting flooded the earth, and water rose until it threatened to drown all the animals which had survived the long winter. Many of them saved their lives by climbing up a particularly large tree, which was much taller than any of the other trees in the woods. There was also a high mountain, which others reached and were saved. The poor beasts now cried loudly for someone to come and remove the water. And a great creature, something like a fish, appeared and drank it until he became as large as a mountain. So the dry land returned, and as summer had come again, the trees and bushes and flowers which had been covered by the ice leaved out once more. And from that time till now, the world has always been just as we see it at the present day. That was a good story. Oh, yeah, that was really a lot of fun. That one was an old, it was, it was written down a while ago, but it's an even older story. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah, uh, I imagine that's probably oral tradition for quite a long time. Yeah, but I really do appreciate that someone took the time to write it down. So uh, do I. That's really amazing that we're taking, able to discuss such an old story on our new podcast here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really love, I know this is a tangent, like right off the bat immediately, but you know deal with it um <laughs> but i really love that the like the ethnographies and stuff that are happening um are actually being written down like like tribes in the amazon you know people are actually going yeah. down and especially linguistically people are going down and writing down these languages that are down there things that would disappear mm -hmm. if someone didn't actually go and do it uh, because they many of them don't have contact with the outside world in any way so I'm I'm really liking that that's happening. I liked that I like that anthropologists across all of our past have done the same type of thing and writing down tales and keep keeping them in a place that we can still look at them today. You know, it's it's so enlightening to more about the culture of 
all of the native peoples, you know? Yeah. And just to take the time to record it instead of immediately trying to scrub it out, which (laughs) has has been so much of human history. (laughs) Let me retell it in my light, you know? Oh, hey, you're doing that wrong. How about we just completely (laughs) change everything about your way of life? Yeah, Yeah. exactly right. (laughs) But as far as the tale goes, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I liked that there was such a fun variety of creatures that exist in that area, you know? Yeah, it it really had a little, a whole sampler plate of the North American ecosystem there. One of the things that kind of stood out to me is that if this is an old enough story, and and as we talked about uh, being oral tradition, I like to imagine that this story may go back so far that it may be uh, a memory or a story of the Ice Age. Uh, you know, that's that's going way way back there but if you look at some of the some of the notes on it yes it could have been a long winter or it could have been the long winter right exactly and i think that i think that's really exactly what it's got to be if not from that time explaining what happened right yeah um so it it makes a lot of sense right the long winter and suddenly it heats up and everything's flooded which is exactly what would have happened I mean, yeah, this I, is your I, wheelhouse of of sciencey <laughs> stuff. So, yep, and and from what I, from what I understand, my studies of the scrat, uh, yes, the, this is all totally accurate. <laughs> scrat from like Ice Age. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, it all makes but, sense. <laughs> no, but looking at just the the larger pieces of the story, uh, looking at um, just a, a lot of these old old stories uh, take natural phenomena and try to add a narrative to it and sometimes it disregards you know hundreds and hundreds maybe even thousands of years uh it's the way that the larger story fits together i don't know maybe that's just me being my own self about it but i love that we are just the latest chapter in a very very long story here on this planet yeah we are tiny tiny little blips (laughs) which is really i mean not to get super philosophical but it's so interesting you know it it really puts you in this I am insignificant, but I am endless at the same time mindset. You yeah. know? Like we have, mm-hmm. we are such complicated creatures with so much power in our brains, like of things that we could do or we could come up with. You know, you read a book that somebody wrote or you watch a film that somebody made and it blows your mind because it's so original and magical. And now you see everything else differently. Yeah. And but we're just, you know, meat sacks on a <laughs> yep. planet that's just spinning round and round. And <laughs> the time that we're alive is so, so small in compared with something like, you know, this, the, the Ice Age, mm-hmm. how long it took for these kinds of things to happen. You know, it's it's crazy. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Or, you know, this story may not have been about the Ice Age. It might have been just about a long winter that happened And then one a flood. We, <laughs> are, we are open to, to all possibilities here on this show. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, essentially, basically, it, it explains wintertime going into summertime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the larger cycles that the planet goes through uh, and... We're just too long for the ride. Yeah. Another <laughs> element that I found really interesting in this tale was that the strong creatures are the ones that started out this this race, essentially, this relay mm-hmm. race of animals, of carrying yeah. this giant sack, right? And we mm-hmm. end up at the end with, like, 
two little fish that finish it out rather than all the creatures that are much more robust and like land animals. Um, (laughs) And and I think that's kind of what kind of pushed my brain in the direction of the ice age, that it starts with the great big stuff, your, your woolly mammoth, your woolly rhinos, your megaloceros. Look that one up. Beautiful. Anyway. uh, (laughs) I like it. But, uh, and then it kind of turns into smaller and smaller things as, as things move forward and things lose the shagginess and the big, you know, meaty musculature that is required to live in the, the cold Ice Age world. And now things are a little bit more compact and specialized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it has that the potential for that scientifically and it also has the potential for being metaphorical, really. Like I was saying you can't have just the big brute people pulling all the weight. Everybody has to chip in if they want a final goal that's going to benefit everyone, right? So team, yeah. teamwork makes the dream work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that element of it, too. It's a very nice, uh, well, it's a, it's a nice sampling of, of several different species in this case but if it was say like a 90s uh, action cartoon it would it would have representation of several different animals with different accents or different looks so that everybody could feel like they they could pick their own favorite definitely <laughs> um I, I do think that for me it would not have taken me like three full years of winter to try to go find out what's going on <laughs> to be yeah. honest but <laughs> Yeah, after uh, give me a couple months longer than normal, uh, then something's up If I still have winter in August, I'm not going to be okay with that. Then there's a quest to be undertaken somewhere. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently from the underworld and out into a tiny entrance. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that uh, the the tiny entrance to the underworld? And uh, now now I'm not sure. I need to look at uh, some of the... I'm not familiar with their... yeah, the world building that goes into the cos- cosmology of it all. Yeah, I'm sure that there's uh, something. But it that sounds kind of that. like it's two worlds. There's the the upper lands and then the underworld, mm-hmm. um, and there's a small opening between them. And I just picture the the portal in under not underworld in Westworld. Oh, yeah. uh, I won't do any spoilers because we're not really the discussion of that show. But you should have seen it by now. Yet. Come on, I'm sure we'll end it's, up. <laughs> It's winter time, but just the idea of a a hole in reality from one world to the next. That's a just a cool visual. Hey, and you know, I like sci-fi. Maybe someday it'll be an actual reality. That would be fine with me. Here we'll see what's on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, so I I enjoyed that. I I like that. um, I really I really wanted to select some tales that were from different areas. You know, so we've Mm -hmm. got. Asia with Russia, basically, we've got North America with this tale, and we'll move on to another couple ones, too. Um, but I know that you had something that you wanted to talk about in this episode. Oh, yeah, well, winter's a great time not just to sit around and tell stories and drink hot drinks, but one of my favorite things to do uh, is when it's cold outside, we all hang out inside, and we watch a lot of movies. And there's always there are always a couple of movies that kind of stand out for me uh, as the ones that really make the season feel just right. Uh, Definitely. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to pick just one. Uh, but what do you think, for you, Lindsay, 
would be your we're not going to say holiday or or, or seasonal, christmas or anything seasonal like that. Film. just just what is the movie that makes it really feel like it's finally winter wintry. for you i think that my favorite wintry movie is pretty it's kind of sappy I know this is probably not your kind of film, although it should be, uh, but it's Love Actually. Love Actually, that's a very it's sweet movie. such a good movie, and so, so star-studded. I mean, oh, yeah. everyone is in that movie. You're bound to like somebody in that <laughs> And there's movie. so many stories that are happening in that film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It is amazing. Um, yeah. It's got I mean, Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, Andrew Lincoln... Andrew Lincoln from yeah. Walking Dead. Rick, he's Rick in Grimes it. is in it, ladies and gentlemen. One of his like very sh- first movies too. You should see this movie. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got all the elements. Liam Neeson. I mean, yeah. Hugh, Hugh Grant is in it. Oh uh, yeah, Bill he Miney. just thought he'd stop by and yeah. Uh, Martin Freeman, like way before everything. Yep, that's an interesting storyline itself. I mean, you have so many different tales in that. You have the love between a father and a son. You have unrequited love you have love between two adorable little kids you have uh the separation of love between a couple you know you have new new lovers meeting for the first time like it's just this amazing movie that encompasses so many different types of love it all takes around takes place around like the holiday time there it's just so much fun cool i love it but yeah that's well, what well, that's holiday <laughs> movie for me <laughs> what about well, for you? Well, now, well now you've made me feel like i'm i'm kind of a jerk i'm not going to change my answer i'm <laughs> not going to do it no i'm not going to change nope but mine mine i'm proud to say is john carpenter's the thing <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I see McCready with that flamethrower, I know that it is finally winter time. I love it. Well, and I'm sure that it's like tradition for you, right? Yes, it really is. And so it becomes that more than anything. It's just for you, not Christmas, I guess, but just holidays. Yes, holidays, winter, and of course there are are Christmas movies. Yes, Festivus, Yule, however you celebrate, celebrate hard and all night long. Yeah. (laughs) But, But, you know, if if you're ever wondering, I don't know, is it still fall? Watch John Carpenter's The Thing. Suddenly if it's it not. Feels, yeah, if it feels about right, yeah, it's wintertime. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, there there really are so many great holiday movies out there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know Christmas Story plays forever and ever on TV. And it's a yeah, classic. Die Hard. Die Hard is one a of my fantastic favorites. Christmas movie, guys. We all know that it is. <laughs> Um, th- I mean, there's just so many and yeah. I l- so, love it. And, and really, uh, if you, if you get the chance, even if you don't watch any other movies, uh, watch one this time of year, watch one of your favorite ones. Even if you've seen it before, it's just a nice way to, to feel like you can create your own little world and nice and warm, safe where it's inside yeah. out of the snow. Cuddle up with <laughs> a nice cup of hot cocoa or hot coffee and hey, cocoa boy. Cocoa boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, find some family or friends and just cozy up and watch something. You know, that's that's the whole idea of this time of year. That's what these episodes are even about themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. So just do it. All right? Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, uh, what do you say we uh, we go into another story here? I think that sounds like a great idea. 
Our next story is called The Baker's Dozen. Uh, it is an original story by Charles M. Skinner from 1896, but this retelling is by Aaron Shepard, and we'll have a link to his website on our show notes. So take it away, Logan. All right. In the Dutch colonial town, later known as Albany, New York, there lived a baker, von Amsterdam, who was as honest as he could be. Each morning, he checked and balanced his scales, and he took great care to give his customers exactly what they paid for. Not more and not less. Von Amsterdam's shop was always busy, because people trusted him, and because he was a good baker as well. And never was the shop busier than in the days just before December 6th, when the Dutch celebrate St. Nicholas Day. At that time of year, people flocked into the baker's shop to buy his fine St. Nicholas cookies, made of gingerbread, iced in red and white. They looked just like St. Nicholas as the Dutch know him, tall and thin, with a high red bishop's cap and a long red bishop's cloak. One St. Nicholas morning, the baker was just ready for business. When the door of his shop flew open, in walked an old woman, wrapped in a long black shawl. I have come for a dozen of your St. Nicholas cookies. Taking a tray, von Amsterdam counted out twelve cookies. He started to wrap them, but the woman reached out and stopped him. I asked for a dozen. You have only given me twelve. Madam, said the baker. Everyone knows that a dozen is twelve. But I say a dozen is thirteen, said the woman. Give me one more. Von Amsterdam was not a man to bear foolishness. Madam, my customers get exactly what they pay for, not more and not less. Then you may keep the cookies. The woman turned to go, but stopped at the door. Von Amsterdam! However honest you may be, your heart is small and your fist is tight. Fall again, mount again. Learn how to count again. Then she was gone. From that day, everything went wrong in von Amsterdam's bakery. His bread rose too high or not at all. His pies were too sour or too sweet. His cakes crumbled or were chewy. His cookies were burnt or doughy. His customers soon noticed the difference. Before long, most of them were going to other bakers. That old woman has bewitched me, said the baker to himself. Is this how my honesty is rewarded? A year passed. The baker grew poorer and poorer. Since he sold little, he baked little, and his shelves were nearly bare. His last few customers slipped away. Finally, on the day before St. Nicholas Day, not one customer came to von Amsterdam's shop. At day's end, the baker sat alone, staring at his unsold St. Nicholas cookies. I wish St. Nicholas would help me now, he said. Then he closed his shop and went sadly to bed. That night, the baker had a dream. He was a boy again, one in a crowd of happy children. And there, in the midst of them, was St. Nicholas himself. The bishop's white horse stood beside him, its baskets filled with gifts. Nicholas pulled out one gift after another and handed them out to the children. But von Amsterdam noticed something strange. No matter how many presents Nicholas passed out, there were always more to give. In fact, the more he took from the baskets, the more they seemed to hold. Then Nicholas handed a gift to von Amsterdam. It was one of the baker's own St. Nicholas cookies. Von Amsterdam looked up to thank him. But it was no longer St. Nicholas standing there. Smiling down at him was the old woman with the long black shawl. 
Von Amsterdam awoke with a start. Moonlight shone through the half-closed shutters as he lay there, thinking. I always give my customers exactly what they pay for, he said. Not more and not less. But why not give more? The next morning, St. Nicholas Day, the baker rose early. He mixed his gingerbread dough and rolled it out. He molded the shapes and baked them. He iced them in red and white to look just like St. Nicholas, and the cookies were as fine as any he had made. Van Amsterdam had just finished when the door flew open. In walked the old woman with the long black shawl. I have come for a dozen of your St. Nicholas cookies. In great excitement, von Amsterdam counted out twelve cookies and one more. In this shop, he said, from now on, a dozen is thirteen. You have learned to count well, said the woman. You will surely be rewarded. She paid for the cookies and started out. But as the door swung shut, the baker's eyes seemed to play a trick on him. He thought he glimpsed the tail end of a long red cloak. As the old woman foretold, von Amsterdam was rewarded. When people heard he counted thirteen as a dozen, he had more customers than ever. In fact, von Amsterdam grew so wealthy that the other bakers in town began doing the same. From there, the practice spread to the other towns, and at last through all the American colonies. And this, they say, is how thirteen became the baker's dozen. A custom common for over a century and alive in some places to this day. All right. So what did you think of that? Oh, that one was, that was a really nice story. Uh, again, it didn't have a whole lot of meat to it. Uh, maybe I just like a little bit more blood, guts, and gore. And <laughs> you definitely do. I like I my, mean, the I, thing, I like my Logan, stories played. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like my stories played in, in a minor key. What do you expect? And I it's think a- that's perfect for this season. <laughs> it's dark and, you know... <laughs> Oh, I love it. Also, um, the idea of, of a baker's dozen. I see. I was always taught you do thirteen because you're gr- you're gonna screw one up. And that's fair. That's, As an yeah, actual baker, that makes a lot of sense because then that that's always been the way I've done it. Uh, you make thirteen because well, uh, <laughs> you're not gonna get thirteen totally. Because then twelve right. will look better. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when when I was again back to my theater days. Um, one of the things I would do is make a lot of swords for different theaters around. Uh, now these aren't edged swords, but they're made out of, uh, out of because steel. Because you, you'd like teach fight choreography, right? Yes. Well, I, I have, have and pro- yes, I'm, I'm a, I'm a choreographer. Yep. Yeah, I'm one that. of those. <laughs> uh, but, uh, at the same time, when you, when you go in and choreograph a fight, often they say, okay, uh, where can we get swords? And I, became a thing of well i have a metal shop let's get you some swords so when we're making swords we always do one extra always because one of them it's always okay make 13 take the 12 best right exactly and that's always how we would do things when we do batch orders like that and so to me that's that's the one thing when it, when this story says that, oh, no it's about giving it's about making more for charity and and no, no, it's because you're going to screw up one of those roles. <laughs> I think it's it's really good practice as anybody who make, makes something. It's always a good idea to mm-hmm. make an additional in case something breaks or something doesn't look as good as you want. It's always, I think it's always good practice. But yeah. as far as like a parable or a tale like this goes, um, I I don't know if it's really a parable, but like a... 
but it a is. story, a lesson, a story that teaches a lesson, right? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> like parables, more like biblical, I guess. But a, a story that gives some good life advice, really, right? Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. exactly what this did, because as human beings, there really isn't a reason not to be more generous, right? Yeah. It can only Uh, be good for you karmically and just in your relationships with people that are around you, you know, it can't hurt to be known as a generous person that is giving. A rising tide raises all ships, you know, it's exactly what you give. You get what you give. Um, Well, and and, and and this image of the image of the dream that he had, right. With St. Nicholas just having this endless mm -hmm. bounty of, of things to give. I I just really like that idea that it's not necessarily just about what you have to give in a material sense, but you have much to give in ways that cost you nothing, like yeah. like kindness or uh, your your time. You know, things that you mm-hmm. can do for someone else or things that you can say to someone to kind of buoy them up or. There's so many different ways that this could be practiced, especially at this time of year. Um, yeah, and for that lesson, it, it is a good one. I, I do like the the spirit of giving and, and charity and altruism and yeah. And really, it's it sometimes it's just nice to be nice to somebody else, right? And uh, <laughs> an interesting element is he said altruism, and that just triggered my anthro brain. But um, <laughs> altruism is something that we see in other species too. Uh, especially mm-hmm. in other primates, it and it it kind of baffles scientists a little bit because, you know, we always have this practical mind of, you know, we are ourselves, we are out for our survival, we are out for whatever is going to get us food and mates and, and whatever we we need to go on, but in the wild and I'm sure in captivity too, people have seen other primates practicing altruistic acts you know giving up something that could be to their detriment yeah sharing or just being uh, i don't know looking out for one another yeah and when you don't when you don't have and we feel like we see that as like a human trait but it's not just a human trait and i think that's really a good reminder that at our at our core and at other creatures cores we are altruistic as well as self, self-serving. Yeah, self-serving, ser- <laughs> yeah, self- yeah. I don't want to say self-serving because that has such a negative connotation. But like, we have to be innately selfish to a degree because we have to survive. Mm-hmm. In our time and age, we have to do that less than we used to because so much is available. But there's so many people you know, in different countries of the world that don't have the things, that the luxuries that we have. Um, like in a first world country and even here there's so many people that are in poverty and that sort of thing those of us that do have the chance to give something of ourselves that's a great opportunity for it and even people who have less are often giving more than they have you know I think it really encompasses the idea of charity and kindness and I think the principle of the story is just really nice and and also really i don't know i i've done i've done the kind of jobs where 
really, it's up to you to decide if you really give a damn or not. Yeah, and, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and really, uh, while I... It, it was, it's clear that von Amsterdam really took pride in his work, and he had a very clear definition to himself of what his work was. It wasn't until he wanted to do it better and wanted to really serve his customer that he got to feel that yeah. warmth of the, of, of the season. And uh, Yeah, it wasn't um, about doing the same thing day in or not day out. It was doing something a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's good. I really liked it. Yeah, it was a nice one, yeah. and and you know, seem while we're talking that that same idea of, of of just kind of reciprocity and and sharing and 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 really you know just getting those good feelings out uh, for for everybody this season. What do you say we do another promo of another podcast? I think we should. Um, so this promo is for a show that's called Genuine Chit Chat. Mike, who is the host of it, has really interesting conversations with a huge, wide range of people. Um, it's kind of exactly what it says it is. It's genuine and it's people just having conversations. It's really varied in its content, which I really like. And the different people that he has these conversations with are super interesting as well. So I definitely think you guys should check it out. Here is the promo. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, from travellers to musicians, to those afflicted with mental or physical illnesses. There's really no subject that's off-limits, from movies to politics, and even controversial topics ranging from sex to drug reform and political correctness. So if you still believe in the art of conversation, are intrigued by healthy debates with different ideas and perspectives you may not have thought of, and want a podcast where every episode is about something different with a variety of guests, then this may be the podcast for you. You can hear us on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you want to hang out and listen to honest conversations with interesting people, then come to Genuine Chit Chat, where I'm your host, Mike Burton. And we are back. Yeah, it does sound like a cool one. I, I really like that it's just kind of, like you say, just genuine and, and straightforward, not part of a, a, a pageant or a show with a, with a whole lot of theming to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, give them a listen. So let's move on to our next tale. This one is our final tale for the episode. And we're going to have a few more for you next week. So make sure you tune in then if you would like to hear more of these. But this one is called The Little Girl and the Winter Whirlwinds. And it's actually by an unknown author from Bulgaria. um, And the year is unknown as well. So we have nothing for you there other than where it's from. So... So if you if you wrote this story, please let, let us, us know, know. Even though you're probably dead, <laughs> is my guess. <laughs> Here we go. One year, the wicked winter witch decided to stop spring from coming on time and make winter the only season on earth. She hid the sun behind dark clouds and covered the earth with heavy snow. So one morning, the people from a small mountain village woke up and found their houses buried under the snow up to the roofs. They started digging tunnels from their own to the neighbors' houses, and gathered up in small groups to decide what they could do. They finally decided that the best thing to do is to send someone on the highest mountain peak, where the good wizard Father Frost lived in his palace of ice, to ask him for help. But no one was willing to go on such a dangerous trip. "'I am ready to go,' an old man said. "'But I am afraid I am too old and too slow to reach the peak on time.' If only I was twenty years younger. 
Don't worry, grandfather. I will go, his little granddaughter said. She was an orphan, living in his home since her parents died. No, not you. The neighbors pitied her. You are too young and too tender for such a hard job. You don't even have a warm coat. No hat, no scarf, not even woolen mittens. I'm not afraid, the little girl said. My feet are strong, and I am as fast as a mountain goat. But you'll freeze up there, with no shelter to hide from frost. I will not, the girl said firmly. I have a warm little heart full of love for everyone. It will save me from the frost. Go, my child, the old man said. I know your good heart, and I trust it. The children, who were all her friends, gave her their warmest clothes. Here, take my coat, one of them said. My mittens are so warm. Put them on, said another. Take my hat, my scarf, my woolen socks, and my boots. Soon the little girl was ready to go. She waved back at her friends and started for the snowy mountain peak at a quick pace. She went further and higher, never thinking about rest. Soon she was able to see the glittering ice on top of the highest peak. All of a sudden, the whirlwinds woke up from their sleep, and noticing the little figure in the snow, became furious. Who dares to trespass our property? Let's show her who we are! They screamed. Let's blow her so hard until she forgets where she's headed for. And they started whirling fiercely around the girl. But she only huddled into her warm coat and bravely went on. The whirlwinds got very tired and one after another fell on the ground gasping for breath. <sighs> what a strong girl, one of them said. We are exhausted and she's not even tired. <sighs> No human being has ever overmastered us, let alone such a fragile little girl. If we cannot manage ourselves, let's call our sisters the blizzards for help. So they called for the blizzards. Hearing them, the blizzards became very angry. She will pay for that! They roared and threw themselves after her. It was a long and uneven struggle, but the girl overcame the blizzards too, thanks to her strong, warm heart that never let her feel fear or weariness. The blizzards fell on the ground, breathing heavily. That's a shame! One of them hissed. We are not able to stop her! Let us call our mother for help! Mother! Mother! They all screamed, Come to help! Their mother was a frosty winter witch. She came at once and said, I saw everything. Now listen to me. When you cannot defeat someone by force, turn things the other way around. Let's be good to her. What do you mean? To kiss her? A whirlwind asked ironically. Nothing of the sort, the frosty winter said. Now let's just try to be polite and kind, so she will never suspect us of any evil thoughts. So the winds stopped, and the blizzards went away. The frosty winter witch appeared before the girl. 
in like a beautiful young woman in a sparkling white gown with long white hairs and a crown of icy diamonds. Am I dreaming? Or is this some good miracle? The girl thought. This beautiful lady has the face of my dear mother, and I can hear her sweet voice singing my lullaby. Oh, how I want to hear some more. I'll sit here for a while, she said to herself. I'm so near the palace, no more than an hour walking left. I'll be on time. The little girl sat down and closed her eyes. The frosty winter witch grinned in delight. Sleep, little girl, and may you sleep forever! Then she left the sleeping girl on the snowy hill and flew away to tell her children how she managed to deceive the girl. The little girl was sleeping, smiling happily, but the color of her face was changing as time had passed. Her pink cheeks became at first red, then blue, then waxy yellow. She was slowly freezing. Until, all of a sudden, something stirred in the snow. A squeaking sound was heard, and a tiny head showed up from a hole in the snow. It was a little white mouse, her shiny black eyes fixed on the sitting figure. "'Someone's in trouble!' squeaked the mouse. And right after that, a number of little holes opened in the snow, and a number of mice peeped out of the holes. They ran to the girl and started massaging her feet and hands. But mice were so little and their labors so inefficient that they decided to call their friends the rabbits for help. This time, bigger holes appeared in the snow, and a number of white rabbits peeped out and ran to the rescue. From the snow-covered pine trees, a number of squirrels jumped down, and soon the girl was covered with white and brown fur all over. The little animals warmed her up with their own furry bodies. They were extremely happy to see her cheeks becoming pink again. Soon the girl opened her eyes. She thanked her new friends for saving her life and told them why she was here and where she was going. We are coming with you, the animals cheered. We also suffer very much from this never-ending winter. Flocking around the girl, the animals accompanied her to the ice palace. There, they all knocked at the gate, but no one answered. What might have happened to Father Frost? The animals wondered. Let's try and open the door. It's not locked. They opened the heavy gate, and the girl stepped in, followed by her friends. A glittering icy corridor led them to a big crystal hall, and there, on a gorgeous throne of carved ice, Father Christmas was there, fast asleep sitting on his icy throne, dressed in silver-embroidered clothes. Two squirrels jumped up into his lap and tickled his face with their furry tails. A mighty sneezing sound made them all freeze with fear. But Father Christmas opened his eyes and smiled. <laughs> what are you doing here, little friends? The girl told him everything. You mean I have slept here while the wicked winter witch was trying to stop spring from coming? Throughout the whole winter? <laughs> Father Christmas asked, astonished. I guess she decided to outsmart me and stay on Earth forever, but I will not let her. Oh, thank you, little ones, for waking me up. Now I'll restore the natural order and give everyone what he deserves. Ho, 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 ho. Then he blew on his silver whistle, and in an instant, all his subjects appeared in the big crystal hall. He ordered them to go and find the frosty winter witch and to bring her to the palace so he could lock her down in the cellar until next year. He also told them to clear the skies from clouds so that the sun can melt the snow. When the big gates opened again, the sun outside was shining and the soft snow had started to melt. The way back was much easier. 
The new friends parted, promising to help any time when needed. Everyone in the village cheered, meeting the brave little girl. They were happy to pick their first snowdrops and to give them to her. Spring was also very happy to hear the songs and see the dances the children had prepared specifically for her. That was really fun. That one was a fun one. That one just kind of reminded me of like a kid's story with a lot of really fun characters. Yeah. It very much felt like, a, well, it felt like C.S. Lewis may have read this once or twice when thinking <laughs> of ideas for The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I loved this story. I, one of the reasons that I that The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe sticks out to me uh, is that, yes, I've read the book, but I've actually performed that play a number of mm-hmm. times growing up. It's such a good story. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really great story. It works really well on stage. I would love to see this story on stage with the big whirlwinds as big kind of puppeteered characters. Cool. And like uh, this is, yeah, this is all a the short animals film and would be really neat too. like an yeah. animated or like claymation short film would be really neat. I think because yeah. there's not much content here, really. <laughs> Like a thing happens it's, and that's it. Yeah, yeah it's, and then Santa Claus shows up. Uh, well, I guess and, it's a series of things, but yeah, you you would have to pad it out. Yeah. Um, in the in the in the children's theater world, we would add a couple of unnecessary dance numbers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a tap number for for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Some snowflakes tap dancing, you know. As you as yeah, they that do. Kind of thing. <laughs> and it actually kind of strikes me as something that would be really good as a ballet. No, absolutely. You know, um there's mm-hmm. there's the whirlwinds for you, the different types of dancers with the different types of um the oh, blizzard yeah. and the yeah, whirlwinds it, it, and the I could see this being a chapter in the nutcracker really easily. Yeah, oh oh definitely. Uh, and in that sense it's it feels very appropriate. For this season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this is definitely it really does. definitely a tale that that feels wintry. It feels exactly like we what we'd expect from this kind of thing. yeah from from some anonymous author from Bulgaria. Uh, you said. Yeah. So all right, um, well, but, well done, well done, Bulgaria. Nice <laughs> good story, job, anonymous person. <laughs> but um, I think some of the fun other elements in it were all, all the adorable little creatures. The very like. Disney princess vibe that we get from this little girl. Oh, right? yeah, it definitely felt like a like a Snow White. Kind <laughs> yeah, of character. all the animals flocking to her, but it was so adorable. You know, as you were reading it, it was I, just like, oh, they're so cute and so helpful. <laughs> um, and that's an element we see a lot in storytelling of, you know, these yeah, oh yeah, they're um, <laughs> these enemies coming at you and help coming from unexpected places. And they're drawn just oh so cute with giant exactly. eyes. And... <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Covering her like a yeah. giant furry blanket <laughs> of warmth. But And and what about what about the image of uh uh Father Christmas taking the the wicked winter witch and throwing her in the cellar until next yeah, year? About that. That is it feels very bit, evil a dead. A little bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like, um the cellar feels very serial time... killery to me. It it does. It feels a little Hmm. But at the same time, you got to remember, this is Santa Claus's cellar. This is well, this Father is Christmas. Father Christmas. Okay, even cooler. So it's old school Santa Claus. It's <laughs> yes, old. Yeah, school. And, and if he's if it's Father Christmas, I like Father Christmas. You know the the bodybuilder one, voiced by Alec Baldwin from the 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 Guardians series. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like it. No, I, <laughs> but uh, and what does what does his I basement look like? 
what broken is his shards cellar? of candy cane I, I, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I think I picture a lot of uh, broken or just. I don't uh, know enough about like non non functional prototype toys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I don't know enough yeah. about like Father Christmas specifically to really say, but we can just imagine like this. I feel like he probably has <laughs> some reindeer accoutrement. Probably, there. yeah. <laughs> Bridles all over the place, a whole bunch of jingle bells. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got the standard yeah, stuff very and maybe a big, cool, big old cooler of Cokes just because they give him money for <laughs> well, they, him they created him, basically. Well, Santa, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun story. It was very, very wintry, very light. A nice tale of someone that people don't expect to be able to do something overcoming adversity and doing the thing and saving everyone you know the typical hero's journey thing so yeah and i really like the note in there it kind of ties back to uh some of the the tenets of that uh, of how slytherin that i really identify with that sometimes it's easier to go around a problem than directly uh-huh. through it are you are you a slytherin yeah how, I, uh, how have yes. we not talked about this before? Or how do I not remember? I... <laughs> Probably that. <laughs> so Slytherin. Yeah. Huh. But but one of the good ones. One no, of the no, ones no, 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 no. I have zero about. problems with Slytherin. I think that <laughs> all of the bad kids, give them a bad name. They are not bad people by any stretch of the imagination. They're just... But we're also the house that has werewolves. <laughs> there you, you know. go. You know you want to come party with us. <laughs> they, I mean, they're ambitious, right? Like, that's their core element or whatever. Yeah. And ambition is a great mm-hmm. thing. Um, or can be if it's utilized in the right way. Which, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, think about how many people are from Slytherin and then think about how many, like, Death Eaters there are. If you compare the two numbers, like the percentage of evil Slytherins is like one percent. Oh, it's a total minority. Right? Yeah. So they get a bad rap that they do not deserve. <laughs> it it's more that the other houses are nosy and like to write yeah, stuff right? down. It's <laughs> probably it's probably all the Gryffindors. <sighs> I know, right? I'm hardcore Ravenclaw. But I have Yeah, we all I have <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I definitely have Slytherin leanings. Like as a secondary house, it's that would totally be my house. So we shall tempt you to the dark side yet. <laughs> I like it. What was that whole thing I just talked about? How we're not all, not all evil? What? Huh? Maybe a little bit at your core. <laughs> I like that. I can't believe we hadn't talked about Harry Potter on this yet. <laughs> uh, I know. Interesting. That's that seems that overdue. seems like it's overdue. Uh, day one requirement for a podcast like <laughs> that's ours, always but. a fun discussion. You know, we. We here at Folklore on the Rocks really like things that are kind of uh, personality division things, like alignment, obviously. Yeah. And like yeah, we, this, your house in Harry Potter. I just love um, the opportunity to reclassify which boxes we fit ourselves and others yeah. into. Uh, it's It's not the standard rules of society. Sometimes it's fantasy-based. Sometimes it's a feeling or something you carry around inside of you. Uh, like, okay, Lindsay, what is your Patronus? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I want to say, really, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, I want to say like probably a manta ray. 
good choice. Well, I know not choice, but a, a good, a <laughs> good fine you know, Patronus. I, I tapped into what it is, you know. Every time I watch Moana with my niece, I bawl my eyes out. Anytime her grandmother shows yeah. up, or like she, mm. oh, spoilers, she dies, <laughs> comes back later as a spirit um, <laughs> that like helps her out when she needs it. But it, her spirit is is these rays, and it's ju- it's just beautiful. I love it. And the animation is so gorgeous, and like I just feel them on a deep level. They're so graceful yeah. and beautiful animals, um, gentle, gentle creatures, and it's, I just love them. So I think it's probably that. I do have a love cool. for water, which is weird because I live in in Utah. <laughs> but yeah, in the middle. <laughs> I do have a membership to the aquarium here, and I go as often as I can. Um, it's kind of it's kind of my like my happy place i'll go there instead of instead of like a kind of church that someone would go to i often go to the aquarium and just sit in this like dark cool space of the shark tank area and i just sit and i just watch these beautiful animals swim back and forth and it's amazing i love it but um yeah what that's uh, that's that's lovely yours probably um (laughs) werewolf or no, it's Allosaurus fragilis, <laughs> the most magnificent creature of to ever walk this planet. Of course, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> I shouldn't have expected anything else. <laughs> if one of those shows up, I know everything's okay. I love that. What kind of dinosaur is that? Oh, it's like, a, it it's a like? medium-sized theropod. It's think a T-Rex, but with more fingers and toes. So uh, one that can actually do stuff. Gotcha. Actually, do stuff. Better arms. Way did did not skip arm D- day. Doesn't really mean as the much. like extender grabber thingies to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, a more elaborate skull. We're not quite sure if it means more intelligence, but I like Probably. to think so. Yeah. Uh, smaller, lighter. Uh, I mean, it's, it's probably not the full faster foot. than two. It's, I assume. Yeah, most likely. And there's a lot of evidence evidence that they moved in packs. That they actually moved together, uh, like we've seen. Well. We've all seen raptors firsthand in this. Obviously, day they're around <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, so that's that. That's kind of my 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 animal that 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 I know is going to show up I when I need that. it. Uh, I love that. <laughs> One of my favorite things about humanity is us being able to like look at the world around us and classify stuff and see ourselves in things, mm-hmm. and it's so cool. Like uh, personality tests, like the young typology or Myers Briggs stuff is weirdly accurate like weirdly yeah, accurate it, it, it's the whole thing of i don't believe in those except for when they're 100 percent accurate they usually are and there's like you yeah. you yourself can fit into this one of these 16 boxes you know it's crazy <laughs> and some elements may not be necessarily true but like they get the essence of you and it's it's really interesting yeah. you know i, th- I took a <laughs> I took a college course on personality theory, and it's 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 pretty cool stuff, you know. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's a whole whole tangent. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> uh, we we make the promise to you, the listener. We are going to be more, I guess, uh, open about this kind of stuff. Uh, or we will discuss it more Probably. Uh, as we, <laughs> yeah, as, as these stories inspire us to, to yeah. draw up from our own experiences and. And discuss new and things. I hope you like it, and we hope you keep listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's basically all we have for you guys this week. Join us next week for more winter tales. 
Um, and as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on <laughs> on Twitter at Folklore. Exactly. Um, we've got pictures, notes, and sources on our website at folkloreontherocks.com. We've got a Patreon with some cool tiers and some cool benefits. Um, we'll have a shop coming after, probably after the first of the year, a merch shop. So if you want to get our kick-ass logo, uh, you can get that somewhere eventually. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, you know yes. you want it. And with pre- Patreon, you do get some discounts with that. We also have a PayPal button on our website if you would like to just make a one-time donation instead of what is on Patreon, which would be a monthly X amount monthly, basically. Um, So we are also doing free stickers. If you write us a review and you send us a screenshot, we'll get those out to you. Um, Make sure you send us your mailing address as well. And um, even if you don't want stickers, we encourage you to rate us and leave us a review on itunes yes it helps it helps with other people finding us it helps us know that we're doing well and that people are actually listening to us um (laughs) and it helps us want to keep doing more you know so uh tell your friends word of mouth is the best possible marketing that we can get so uh we hope you enjoyed our tales this week and we will see you next sunday yeah thanks everybody bye Hey, Coco Boy! Coco Boy!